We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to these interview episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today I have with me a special guest somewhere on the East Coast. I actually don't know if I know down where. Uh, to get us started, do you mind introducing yourself and the game we're here to talk about? Yes. Uh, my name is Greg Heyer, and I'm the developer of Silverwing, which is a solo dev project of mine um, that just recently was released to Steam. Perfect. So if you don't mind, what what is Silverwing for? I'm assuming most people probably have not heard of it. Yes, it would be great if everybody in the world had heard of it, but uh, probably not everyone. So Silverwing is an action flight game. Um, I hesitate to describe it as a flight simulator because it's much more of a throwback to the kind of the old arcade style um, third person flying games. So if you think of Descent... Um, Fury 3, those types of games, that's kind of what it was modeled after with a kind of an update on the graphics side and um, some some modern gameplay elements. So was that just like a genre you grew up with and really liked? Or like, what, like to you, why, why did you kind of like want to tackle this? Because it seems like a very heavy like solo development type project. Yeah, it's funny. This is my first uh, game that I've done that, you know, kind of went, decided I wanted to go all the way through with it. And probably Flight Simulator for those devs out there, I don't recommend that as the first game that you choose. Um, there's all kinds of 3D mechanics and trigonometry and stuff that I had to put in the game. So it probably wasn't the uh, the smartest choice from a indie dev first game go at, but... Just as you mentioned, um, I grew up with these games, and I really enjoyed the, you know, getting on a, a flight stick and actually flying around in a ship. So once I was able to kind of do some of that in testing, I was like, man, I really want to build a game that that uses these mechanics. So so obviously, I would I would say it seems like as as you're making it, <laughs> the the 3D math apparently didn't scare you quite enough. Um, <laughs> So what is it? So yeah, awesome. somehow I somehow I got through that. That the engine is nice enough to do a lot of that stuff for you. So is this like a Unity and a Unreal project. What 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 are you using for your engine there? Yeah. So this was all done in Unreal, um, and lots of lots of learning. It was all done with the Blueprint system. So I I really got uh, into Unity's concept of kind of the graphical development where I actually didn't write a single line of, of code. It's all done through connecting blueprints together. So I, I thought that was a, a 
super innovative thing that Unreal and Epic have done, and it really, I think, was what made the game possible. There, there is something like it definitely is uh, like coding and like conceptual, but definitely I get I see because like coding, I feel like a lot of people get bogged down in the like syntax of like okay, I understand what I want to do and how to do it. Where, where blueprints kind of takes at least if you know what you want to do, the how to do it becomes a lot easier. Um, yeah, in Blueprint, it's usually, instead of syntax, you're, like, searching for that node. You're like, I know this has to exist somewhere. So you're typically trying to look through and saying, what is it called, and, you know, what what is it a class member of? You have to kind of muddle through that way. But there's so many resources online nowadays, you know, just like YouTube and anything else. Um, you can really learn anything if you if you put a ton of time into it. Yeah, no, that is, that's very, very impressive. So I would take it as your background not being a, a, a coder then? Uh, I was a coder back in high school and into early college. And so I, I definitely had a background in it. Um, but I didn't, I don't, day to day, I don't do code in my day job, so to speak. Um, but I definitely have a, a really good background in the core concepts of code. That's why it was such a good fit, I thought, from a development standpoint. That, that makes a lot of sense, and I think blueprints, ironically, are really good at like that. If you understand kind of that that baseline of like I know where I'm going, it's a lot of that. Because like yeah, like I I specialize in Unity stuff a lot of times, and in Unity stuff, it's like you a lot of times have to know what you're doing. Like not like you can still kind of do something on Blueprint. You have like Google it or YouTube it, but there's definitely a little more of like how do I write this thing in that. But let's let's yes. kind of talk about kind of dig into the game then. What so let's. So we said it's not a simulation game. It's, a, it's more that 3D space. I picture, like, probably that early 2000s, like, a lot of PC games had it, some PS2 games, like, that kind of spacey thing. Um, do you mind talking about kind of, like, that gameplay loop? Like, if I'm a, if I'm a player and I load in a level, like, what what is that? Like, what is that experience? Yeah, so a lot of people have drawn Star Fox as a reference as well. So when you load into a level, it's going to you're going to hear your commander tell you what the mission is. So they're going to say something about, all right, you're on the moon of this planet and um, the enemy's entrenched on the other side. So we need to dig a path through these turrets and destroy this base over here. So it'll then highlight and kind of tell you on screen what to do. Uh, and then you're sort of flying over a planet surface in third person, uh, destroying these turrets using different powers of your ship. So there's eight different ships, and each ship has different special abilities, speed, um, you know, stats, and things that, that go along with it that support different styles of gameplay. So if you're somebody that wants to, hey, I, I really want to just get the biggest ship possible and blast my way through everything, that is an option. And if you're someone who says, well, I, I like to maybe have a stealth ship that I can fly around and, you know, dodge in and out of uh, lasers and such, uh, I support that as well. So it was the idea being that, you know, hopefully even playing the same mission, if you're doing it in different ships, it's a very different experience. Yeah, that's a, so, so obviously you said there's, there's kind of these, these multitude of ships and powers. Um, so I use, I heard you say the words in, like in, like a stealthy type ship. Uh, do you mind, was there any other kind of like standout ship types or whatever that like, you're really proud of, or you think kind of describe the game really well? Yeah, so each ship is kind of divided into four types. You've got scouts, fighters, uh, bombers, and sort of your mid-range ships, uh, which we call just gunships. 
Um, and so each of those has different, uh, you know, different primary and secondary weapons that they go with. Um, but I'll like an example is one of the gunships is named the crossbow and the crossbow has a special ability that when you, when you fire it, it fires off 12 missiles sort of in rapid succession at just random targets. So it's sort of randomized, but it's kind of like if you get in a hairy situation, it's just going (laughs) to, it's going to try and uh, take out everything there. So that's, you know, and it has a cooldown that's associated with it. But um, I tend to, I just wanted to make the game more feel like those, those old arcade powers where it was like, eh, we don't really have to worry about ammunition management or, or, you know, too many things that you're thinking about. Just like go out there, have fun. If the ships are a little overpowered, so be it. That's fine. <laughs> it's kind of how we, we designed the game um, from the ground up initially was let's make the ships feel powerful and fun. So that's interesting. So, so you so is that kind of your goal then when you when you kind of start off to make this was kind of like even is it like you want the play? Cause I, so that to me feels like a like obviously and very recently a Top Gun Maverick came out and like to me when you see that like I'm in a ship and like that kind of like hurrah type stuff you want to very much still feel like you're just this powerhouse kind of I'm assuming that was kind of your goal going into this. Yeah, I think I wanted it to feel like. Um, you could, you know, if you, if you sort of remember the old arcade games where it was like, the idea was to get through a level in one quarter, right? I I wanted it to be that experienced players could, could get through levels and, you know, really make a huge amount of progress without dying at all. Um, so that was sort of the idea behind it. But at the same time, those games, you know, when you first start out, you're like, Okay, I, I really have to learn the all of the different systems, how the weapons work together, what weapons work in the right situations. Um, so that was really the gameplay that I was trying to to support throughout the development process. That's a, that's a very interesting kind of thing. I, I'm kind of curious, kind of, did you kind of throughout this process, as we said, because the game's already out. So throughout this process, did you ever have it where like there was definitely those moments when you were testing or internally playing it where you like. I just don't feel strong enough? Or did you have the inverse? You almost felt like too strong kind of throughout the process. Oh, yeah, definitely both of those. So there were times when, you know, first, um, you know, first time you're firing at something and you're just like, man, I'm sitting here just hitting it over and over and over. And the gameplay felt really stale, right? You're just kind of circle strafing or just you know, mashing buttons at something. And I didn't ever want it to feel that way. So I always wanted to feel like you're, you're firing at something, you know, couple hits and you're moving on to the next thing. Um, so there was definitely a lot of tweaking around that. Um, and that was definitely, I was, I was surprised at how much of the, the time spent in development was around the testing process, right? Like you can get to, you know, with modern engines, you can get to these really amazing looking screenshots and, um, you know, cool looking ships and all that stuff. You can get there pretty quickly. What takes more time is actually a balanced gameplay loop that feels like, oh, okay, this is, this is fun. And I have to employ tactics and strategy to actually win. Um, that takes a lot more time maybe than I was ready for because, 
it's it's really easy to make bad loops, right? It's really easy to make something that oh, feels yeah. way too powerful or it's like way too underpowered. You're like, okay, I, this game just isn't, it doesn't feel fun. It doesn't feel like anything I do matters. So I really wanted to make it like what you are doing in the ship and the controls that you're inputting really, really mattered. So, so as you say that, an interesting problem kind of is in my head, right? So we talk about like, we said you want to feel like you matter, but you want to feel powerful. How did you kind of keep that that tension line kind of going? Because right? because if you're too powerful, as you talked about, it won't matter, right? You're like, I don't really care. I mean, I'm God. I'm Superman. I'm whatever. But right. but like, you want that that like nice sweet spot of like, I'm I'm strong, but like I have to still be thinking. I have to actively kind of really be thinking about it. Like, is it because is it, did you kind of find that balance from like? having a multitude of things to keep track of? Was it just kind of, you just kind of had to keep thinking of the enemy totals? Like, how did you kind of, what was, like, your your thought and philosophy of kind of keeping that sweet spot to the players were, like, weren't too bored, kind of? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think it, a lot of it came through level design. So if you think about, let's say you're coming out of a canyon and there's one turret in front of you. Well, that's a that's a pretty easy, you just shoot at the turret and, and blow it up. But what if there's four turrets, two on each side, that are sort of hidden behind the rock faces? Well, now it presents... So you have the same power level as a ship, but it presents a very different gameplay experience. It's like, okay, I could run through this as quick as I can and then turn around and hit one of them and then hit the other patch, or I could maybe aim for one right away. Um, So that's really what I ended up doing is the way the levels are designed, you know, where where the ships are placed... Um, you know, are you fighting one ship at a time or is it a, is it like a fleet of four of them? That really changes how you approach those ships because you can't just fly in and go gung-ho at, a, at you know, four different fighters. That's usually a bad proposition. So I tried to make it where there are different situations um, where, yeah, powering through is going to work. But then other times you better have something else in mind that you're going to do to get out of that situation. So that's, that's really interesting. So with with that in in mind, so obviously you said like yeah, rock size is a good kind of control, kind of kind of having enemies kind of appear as a good control. Is there was there any like pie in the sky idea like you kept trying but it didn't end up working out, or is it kind of was there was it kind of been like as you kind of come up with solutions, they kind of just kind of fell in place? Yeah, I'll tell you with with game development. In general, one of the most important things I think that I learned was sometimes you got to cut stuff and it's you just have to like I had a dream. I had this really interesting idea of like sort of this um, like crazy Megatron type capital ship that you were going to control and it was going to have different pieces and stuff that you had collected. But the the physics behind it and in testing it was so complicated to use that it just and it, it didn't really feel like i wanted it to um so it, you know maybe that comes up in a in a different patch or something that we do but it was like this is outside the core game loop and it's a it was only going to be used for a single mission it's something we probably have to cut so I, I tried to keep it where the, the things that make it into the game are the things that are the most polished and the things that actually work out. Uh, because especially when you're a solo developer, like if you can't do it or figure out a good way to implement it, it's not really going to get implemented very well. 
Um, so it's not something you just pass off to another team. Um, and I didn't want to have like a ton of delays where this game was, you know, being developed over seven, eight years. I, I really wanted to just have it, you know, we, we did a two year development cycle, which I thought is pretty intense already when you have like a regular job and you're just doing this on your free time. So two years of most of my free time is a lot. And so I definitely had to pick and choose where, hey, this isn't working out as well as I thought it would. Um, we probably just need to, to remove this from the game and, and soldier on. So I've got to ask the obvious question. So you just said it was a two-year development cycle. Was that actually the goal originally, or was the goal originally like six months and turned into every two-year development cycle like every indie game ever? Yeah, the latter. Uh, I, I definitely um, was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this in six months. And I'll just put a lot of work into it and it'll be fine. But uh, we, we were coming up on the six months and I'm like, man, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way that I, there's, I mean, I could, I could put something out now, but it's not going to be close to what I wanted to do. Um, so we definitely, we kind of did it up front. We were just like, hey, this is going to take way longer. Um, we did a Kickstarter for this game, actually. So in the first, the first six months I spent building the alpha that was going to be the kind of the test bed for all of the Kickstarter backers. And then after the Kickstarter, we thought, oh, I'll take another six months of development to, to finish up the game. But it was more like a year and a half. Um, and that's just, I just think that's how long it takes to make games that have, you know, fully acted storyline, 20 missions, 3D physics, and all of those types of things. So we probably underestimated, but uh, luckily we didn't have like a, studio that was like you're gonna release this game on this day on this thing no matter what it looks like so we 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 had the flexibility to just be able to say all right folks we're gonna we're gonna take the time to do the game right and release it in 2022 yeah that so like yeah that is every every game there's always that age-old joke of video game development takes twice to 10 times as long as you expect it to take for half the content um but and it seems like you've, you've seen a bit of a trend. Um, but yeah, how, so I'm curious now, looking back, how funny is it to you that you thought this project would take six months? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, again, you're, you're also, every developer's in a different state in their, in their life, right? So I'm doing this on my own time. I've got two kids, uh, a family at home, and a full-time job. So you have to weigh that into, if I was doing only this, um, maybe you could get it done in six on the same thing for 12 hours a day. And that's all you do. Um, you're maybe not as efficient as you would be actually stepping back from it. There were times where I stepped back from this for weeks at a time and just said, Hey, I need a little bit of a break. You know, I finished some system or whatever I was working on. I need to just chill from it for a bit because there is a there's a mental factor to this, you know, like running a marathon. There's a it's really a mental thing at the end where um, you you have to convince yourself that you can get it done. But sometimes you got to take a step back and just say, "All right, I'm, I'll get back to this," but you know, I need a break from it. And the six months is such a crunch to be able to do that. I just don't see how you can make. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, 
So I'm kind of curious now that now that we've been talking, right? It's your game has been out now for what roughly two weeks. Yeah, about that. Uh, with, with that kind of so obviously the game's out. You have had some kind of reviews, some feedback, kind of more than whatever internal you had. How how has the game kind of been received, and then kind of what what kind of was it kind of what you expected? Yeah, so we actually we we had a, a release party here. Um, we're in Ohio, so we had a release party here in Ohio for uh, the game, and had a bunch of people out in person, which was awesome. Like that was a great way to sort of get some feedback from people who were actually like we sat down and had people play the game and give them, you know, I, I could hear real time feedback from them about how it felt to play it, um, what it was like. So it was sort of the the kind of thing that you might get if you went to a, a you know, a dev show or something like that, but without going to one, um, I was able to invite a bunch of people over to, to help out with that. Um, so that was received really well. I thought, um, as far as, you know, reception, I think it's, I think the people that are really looking for this kind of game, I think they've received it really well. Um, it's a, you know, it's a much cheaper game. It's only 10 bucks, uh, as an indie game. So it's, it's competing in a different price point than a lot of the flight sim games that are out there or, you know, action flight games. So I, I like that part of it. Um, you know, as far as sales numbers and, and going out there and marketing, we kind of made a conscious decision to not go out and spend a huge amount of money marketing the game and just say, Hey, let's, let's see how it does. Let's see, let's put it out there and kind of see what, what the response is. Um, and that is definitely hard, right? So any indie developer will tell you, you know, having your game on steam is not some kind of magic bullet, uh, that, Oh, it's on steam. You're going to sell a million copies. Like it, it definitely doesn't work that way. I, I, if a, it worked that way, I, I trust me. We all wish it worked that way. <laughs> we all pay the, the hundred or 20 bucks steam fee and it just, and you sell more copies. I wish it was literally that simple. Right. And, and, you know, steam made the conscious choice. I don't know what it was a decade ago or something to kind of open up their platform, right? It used to be, if you were on steam, wow. Like they did a, a really rigorous process. They only put out games that were, um, much more of the big studios and things like that. So it was a much more curated platform when they opened it up to all the indie developers. You know, the pro is that you can get your game on there. Anybody can pay that hundred dollar fee. And as long as you're within their, their guidelines for a game, you can have your game on there. The con of course, is that there's just thousands and thousands of games on the platform. So it is very difficult to get discovered, so to speak. Um, and yeah, we, I just decided that the stress and the pressure of trying to do all of the marketing myself was something that I wasn't really wanting to do. And I just wanted to have it on the platform. And maybe that's something that I go back to, or if there's, you know, a reviewer or somebody that really wants to, to look at the game and, and do something interesting with it, that would be something that I'd be interested in. Um, but that, that's definitely its own. That's like its own job. Like if you're a solo dev Building the game is one thing, and then trying to market it is a totally different beast um, that, you know, not everybody has the time or, or kind of, you know, the the readiness to go out and do all that. Yeah, until, until you've gone through the process, I don't think we all appreciate, like, the marketing and the PR people enough because you're like, we're like, we're like, oh, you have an easy job. Just go talk about the game. Go sell it. And then you go do it, and you're like, how do I reach out to 
people to talk to them? How do I how do I get this game to sell? Like it's like one of the and like also even little things like as you know like preparing a trailer or like all those little things are just like oh this takes time. Like, it just takes time that like we don't it's want to use. Not, right. It's just not as simple as oh I have a I have a, a Twitter account so I'll just tweet it out there and people will find it. It's again you're you're tweeting out into an ocean of stuff that already exists out there. So you really do have to have a niche and and you know, if if you're looking to sell a game at a, at a mass quantities and kind of make a living off of it, I think you do need to really invest in what that marketing plan is going to be, how you fit into the the genre that you're in. Like we, I already knew from the beginning that I was picking a very niche genre, like flight sim and arcade feel from the late nineties. Like <laughs> this is a very specific thing that we're, we're picking into. Um, that's not going to have a, a super massive appeal, um, because it's not one of those genres that is really hot right now, so to speak, but we just didn't care. Like we wanted to build the game that we wanted to build. Uh, and that was, that was really the, the motivation behind it. Yeah, no, that that makes total sense. So I, I want to ask then, do you have currently, and I know this could always change because it's game development, any future plans for the project? Or are, you, are you currently starting to prototype your next thing? Like, what it, what is the next thing for Synthetic Vector Studios? Yeah, I I do have something in mind that I, I want to work on next, but I, I kind of consciously told myself, like, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Like, let this one kind of sit and simmer and see what it's like to, to release a game, to listen to the reviews, to kind of go through that process. So I'm probably going to take, like, at least the summer here and, and just sort of kind of rest on it <laughs> to see. Um, but I do have some other ideas of what I would do. And and now I kind of know so much better. Like once you've done this whole process, at least once, I just know so much better what work is involved, what I might want to outsource, um, what assets I would want to buy or, you know, who, who, who I could get to work on music, all those things that you have just have no idea how to accomplish in the very beginning. Um, so I feel like I could definitely put together something again. And maybe, you know, go and do more marketing and, and spend more time on some of the other things if I wanted to. Um, but I'm I'm specifically stepping back and taking some time to just sort of think on that before I before I dive right in again. The the one advice that I'm gonna give everyone, and I think you probably do this one is too, if anyone's gonna go out and make a Steam game, sell to Steam yada yada. Start your Steam, the process of making your Steam page early, because that is the one thing that I always forget how much work it actually physically is. Oh my <laughs> gosh. There's so many boxes. There's so many fields. Yeah. Especially if you go to early access. They're like, great, here's 20 more paragraphs to write. And you're like, uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? And then, and then you always send it and they'll come back and be like, you weren't specific enough. What do you mean I wasn't specific enough? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they actually have a pretty uh, robust review process. I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. They they really wanted to know about the game. They check the dimensions of your screenshots to make sure that they're correct, and just all kinds of things that you don't expect when you're just like, oh, I'm going to throw up the Steam page and you know just to have something there. No, no, like they won't. They they really we, we made the mistake of our game of of budgeting like two work days, which again, we're doing part-time job. It's like, oh, what is that? Like four hours, six hours on our Steam page? And we, we, we tracked it after like, that was like 40 hours of work, I'm pretty sure. 
It is a lot of work to make that page. There's no question. That that was another one that I definitely wasn't wasn't ready for. But but right, I would know ahead of time. All right, we're gonna put this up. This is a major major piece of the process. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, as we said, the game we talked about here today is Silver Wing. It is available on Steam. You are synthetic. Vector Studios. The game is for $9.99 USD. I don't know your local currency. Go check it out on your local Steam store to see. Is there any other spot we should be sending people? Another game or something? A Discord, a Twitter, any any other spot we should be sending people sending out a website, any of those fun links? No, just check out the Steam page. You can always check out syntheticvector.com, which is our website that has all of the uh, stuff on it there if you'd like to see more about what the studio is doing. Perfect. Well, I want to say thank you again for taking time to talk to me today and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey, by, sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow the SWW Show on social media at the SWW Show, or sooner or later, you go to patreon.com slash SWW to help us out. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.